Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Dismissing the demand that life should be perfect. In this episode... Eckhart continues his talk with an audience in Budapest, explaining that if we're waiting for the world to make us happy in the form of the right person, place, job, or situation, we will probably wait for a very long time. He says our expectations for the perfect life usually lead to deep disappointment. He explains life is fragile and cannot possibly meet all of our demands. He says we ask ourselves, what is the world here for if it's not to make us happy? Eckhart explains that every person is like a seed of awakening consciousness. Life's challenges push the seed to sprout. Eckhart implores that we must learn to drop the demand that life should be perfect. It's in the nature of every life situation to be precarious. You can't have it all going perfectly, every aspect of your life situation. You're doing great suddenly financially and then your wife leaves you or your body is very healthy but something else goes wrong. You lose your job or something happens to your child, somebody close to you, something problematic goes in there. It is good to strive to make your life better. Of course it is. You do your best and that's perfectly fine and you should continue to do your best so that your life situation can improve. It's a wonderful thing to do. So you focus, what can I do, what should I do? Wonderful. The only thing that does not work is to look for yourself in your life situation, to look for a sense of completion, because there it's, it's very, everything is so impermanent, as the, the Buddha already said. Everything, if you hang on to anything, it leaves you or it, it doesn't make you happy anymore. Everything is impermanent. So you have to deal with your life situation as best you can, but not have expectations that it cannot meet. And these expectations are really, I want my life situation to be in such a way that I can feel happy and fulfilled. Ultimately, what it means is, I, I want the world to make me happy. The world means other people, situations, events, places where you live or where you go, achievements, possessions, all those things are the world. So if you're looking to the world to really make you happy and fulfilled, the world can't do that because it's too fragile and too impermanent. And yet you should do your best, but not look for yourself there. And if you can drop the demand or the expectation that something should be perfect, that a place you go to should be perfect, 
that a, a job, a new job you find should be great, no problems, the job is fantastic, and no unpleasant people there, everybody is great. Your body, nothing ever, nothing goes wrong with your body. If you expect that, the, you expect the world to make you happy, people, that's a big thing. I, I'm looking for somebody to make me happy. Oh dear, that's a recipe for unhappiness. <laughs> you might have noticed. Because the weird thing is, many of you may have experienced that or will have experienced that. The person that makes you happy today, very happy, falling in love. followed by the wedding and honeymoon and then daily life begins. But this person made you so happy for a year, two years, three. <laughs> but then you begin to notice aspects of that person that you didn't know were there. <laughs> Somebody's recognizing it. <laughs> and you're asking, who is this person? That I married. This wasn't supposed to happen. This wasn't the person I looked at gazing into, into his or her eyes when we were having dinner before getting married and honeymoon. And suddenly it all turns around. And before you know it, the person that made you so happy now makes you so unhappy, so miserable. The same person. Isn't that strange? So in a way you could say almost everybody, you may be a lucky exception, but almost everybody uh, will find or will have the suspicion at some point when they start living with somebody have the suspicion at some point that they married the wrong person. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you, if you could? Would you? When we come through, it's true magic, because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. There was something not right. I made a big mistake. Big mistake. Well, and you can go to another part of the world. Perhaps I'll be happy there. I'm not happy here. But if I could live in Bali, I will be happy. I know that. And then you go to Bali, and 
for a while you're happy, it's the honeymoon of Bali. And then you see Bali is not a perfect place. If you leave the food in the kitchen overnight, the rats come in, mosquitoes got stung by mosquitoes, and I just can't stand the heat anymore. I'm losing my energy in this heat. I need to get out of here. You can experience the world and enjoy the experience of every moment and so on, but not look for some ultimate satisfaction. The world cannot make you happy. No person, no place, no achievement, no possession. Possession is another one. You feel the feeling when you just buy something and you carry it home in your bag. <laughs> and, then, and then you take it out, whatever it is. Oh, feeling of satisfaction for a moment. With some people, even when they take it out of the bag, the satisfaction that they had while they were buying it already begins to, to disappear. Hmm. Maybe I'll bring it back to the store. Maybe this, that wasn't, this not, not quite it. Okay. Looking, I'm looking for myself, but you don't know you're looking for yourself, but you are looking for yourself. So the world can't make you, if the world can't make you happy, what is the world here for? The world is here to make you conscious. The world is here to challenge you. To challenge you means it's here to confront you with obstacles. What? <laughs> Can't be. I thought the opposite was true. The world was supposed to... Now, you might have noticed that this tends to happen a lot. And many people believe that they have been singled out by life or God or some malevolent deity. They have been singled out. Some malevolent deities has singled them out to continuously sabotage their life. It's all why, why? Just the moment you get something and something else happens again. Oh no. You sort out here and another problem crops up there. Why is it always like, leave me alone, please, life. I leave me alone. Occasionally, yes, you get a little moment, or you get a moment of a few days or weeks or maybe even months of, ah, oh, it's great. It won't last. <laughs> so the burden of walking around with a unhappy, calling it my, my life. This is your life situation. Everybody has one. Everybody has a life situation. And very few or nobody has a life situation that is totally satisfactory, for, except for brief moments. You might think sometimes when you look on Facebook that Facebook is full of people who have totally satisfying life situations as is shown by their photos and the photos, the meals that they take photos of, that I'm in a restaurant and this is what I'm eating, <laughs> and this is me. <laughs> and here I'm doing this exciting thing. 
and this is just an extension. Technology has miraculously given us the opportunity not only to have a mind-made ego in our heads, we can project it out into the world and polish it even more. And so we polish the mental, the, the mental image of ourselves and put it out. And people see it, oh. And some people who don't know how this works, they think everybody is okay except me. <laughs> and then they do the same thing. Okay, I'll pre I can pretend too that I'm okay. And the whole thing is a world of make-believe. So your life situation exists in time. It is continuously kept alive by thinking about me. The most interesting subject in the world is me. And this is why I need to think about it a lot, because if I stop thinking about me, everything is going to fall apart. I, I need to keep thinking about, especially at three o'clock in the morning. I, I need to think about me and my problems, because if I stop thinking, it means I'm not responsible anymore. I need to worry. It is my responsibility to worry as much as possible. What, what is worry? Unconscious, totally useful and dysfunctional thinking. But worry pretends to be necessary. Just, you need to worry. It's a thought. You need to worry. You should be worried. There's a lot to be worried about because you don't know what's going to happen. Or, yeah, I do know what's going to happen. It's going to be bad. <laughs> Tomorrow is going to be bad. Or what, let alone next year. Don't go out there. <laughs> the, the, your life situation exists in time. But where is time? Where is time? Time is the weirdest thing in the universe. It gradually kills you. Everybody here has a fatal illness. We just don't know the date, but everybody's infected by time. It's a kind of virus, I suppose, and this time will kill you and me, the body or if you want a sh shorter version of what's going to happen to your body, let's say you're still young. What is time going to do to my body? You put an apple on the windowsill and a fresh apple, and you go back to it four weeks later and look what time did to the apple. <laughs> and that's what time is going to do to your body. Oh dear and you thought this was going to be an inspiring talk. <laughs> your life situation exists in time, but time exists in your mind. Time is, seems to be all pervasive. You can't get, a, it's like an express train. You're on an express train, it never stops. You can't get off. That's time. Oh, let me go, can't get, oh, gosh, oh, can't get off. It seems to be everywhere. It seems to affect everything. You need it to do anything. You need time. But you always experience life as the present moment. It's always now. It's always now. It's never not now. There was never a moment in your life that was not now. There never will be a moment in your life that is not now. 
And even now while you're thinking about the past, it's in the now that the past arises as thought in you. So time doesn't really have an objective independent existence independent from your mind. For example, no explorer has ever encountered the future. They've gone to the North Pole and the South Pole and now they're going into outer space. But no explorer has ever said, I found the future, I have arrived. The thing that everybody is looking to, I found it. No, because the moment you find the future, it's the present moment. The moment the future comes, you can only experience it as the present moment. So the future are thoughts in your head. You can only, the future is a thought in your head, ultimately. It's intimately connected with mind activity. And totally fine, I'm not saying throw away your watch, if you still wear a watch, throw away your watches and clocks and don't look at the time anymore because it's all an illusion. I'm not saying that because your life would collapse. You need time. We could only meet here because we use time for practical purposes. A date and a time. Otherwise, we wouldn't have met here accidentally even in a million years. So it worked on a practical level. But on a deeper level, if you look more closely, time is, is always a thought. It's always a thought. So this life situation exists in time. But there's something else, and I wrote about it in The Power of Now. More fundamentally, you have a life situation, but more importantly, you have a life. And it's important to distinguish between your life situation, which is, of course, it's problematic. Every life situation is problematic, and every person here has, has their share of suffering in, your li in their life situation. It's challenging. Life is undoubtedly challenging for everybody in different ways. It is challenging, yes. But do you need to carry around this burden of your problematic life situation continuously? Or can you enter a different dimension where your life situation is still there, you can deal with it because you have to deal with it, but you, there's something deeper in you that is deeper than your life situation, and I call that your life. And your life is inseparable from the present moment. And the present moment is now. Now, that is a doorway into a deeper or higher state of consciousness, which we may call awareness or presence. And I'm inviting you at this moment. Now we get to the good part. I'm inviting you at this moment to step out of your life situation. Don't worry, it's still there, but it'll come back to you. <laughs> but step out at this moment of your life situation and just experience this moment without reference to past or future. You have nothing to lose. So let's say right now, don't give any attention to anything in your past, including your name or your whatever happened in your past, and you don't focus on any future moment. 
You just stay in this moment. And now what is your experience of this moment without reference to past and future? What does it feel like to be you without reference to the past? What does it feel like to be you? This is a very strange question. And you may not be able to answer it in words. It's an ex immediate experience. And the immediate experience is to experience yourself beyond concepts. But what is there if there are no concepts? There's the sense perceptions. But what is it that makes the sense perceptions possible? How is it possible for you to perceive all this? There's something, so you are the one that perceives all this, but what makes it possible for you to be here, to sit here and perceive? What is there left? And that is, of course, you can sense a certain sense of presence or beingness, but it has no attributes. It's not this or that, it just, it's a primordial sense of I, the I. I call it the deep I, as opposed to the surface I, which is the mind-created I, when the person says I, everybody's, everybody's favorite word, I, but usually, the I refers to the mind-made self, me and my life. But here, you can realize there is another I in you that is deeper. It's not, it's not separate from, but it's, there's a deeper beingness in you, a sense of presence, where you just know that you are. I am, that's all that's left. You know, but how do you know that you are? You know that you are. We could say that's consciousness. And that without the consciousness, there would be no sense perception. So you, are, you become conscious at this moment. What I'm saying now sounds a little strange at first. You become conscious at this moment of the fact that you are conscious. You directly know that, ah, yes, I am conscious. Not because you say it, because you know it directly. You know that you are, you are conscious. That is the deep I that is your, I call it, your essence identity. Essence identity. The other identity I call your form identity. Everybody has a form identity. It begins with the body. It's the physical form, but there's also the psychological form of you. That's the mind-made self, the conditions. That's fine, of course it's there. Everybody has a form identity, but most people, all those people who are still unconscious, spiritually speaking, they only know themselves as their form identity, which is the body and the psychological entity in the head. They only know themselves as that. And they continuously looking, because only knowing yourself as that is frustrating because somehow you realize 
that that's ultimately not you. At least it's, it's only a tiny fraction. It's only the surface phenomenon. But who are you underneath the surface? And underneath the surface, there's something very deep. You are very deep. And when you begin to sense that depth that's in you, then gradually you go there more often, you sense this essence identity more often, where the story of you becomes irrelevant while you, when you sense that. Let's say one of you might be a billionaire and you have a private jet waiting and you have mentions all over the place and another one of you might be whatever you did in your life was one mistake after another and you've just been released from prison for the fifth time and you've all you've just made one bad decision after another and it's all a disaster your entire life is a disaster so you have the great person who made it and the other person whose life is a disaster for the realization of your essence identity it doesn't matter it doesn't matter. It is beyond the forms of your life. And then, at first, it's, it's, very, it's just a little, oh, a, a little stillness, a little sense of still presence. And the mind might say and come in and say, well, I have more important things to worry about than this. Okay. It, the mind doesn't want you to go there. It'll always tell you, no, 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 don't go there. Go into the depths of who you are, which is the consciousness. Know yourself as consciousness. And when that happens, you may notice, and this is so important, there is a gap in the stream of thinking, because you might have noticed the thinking goes on and on in your head. There's a voice that you talk to yourself. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. So most people's fate is they are lost in thought, lost in thought. And, and suddenly you come to the end of one thought and there's a gap. The next thought hasn't started yet. A gap between two thoughts. And while I'm speaking now, I'm kind of doing this gesture to illustrate the gap between two thoughts. And right now, let's see if this gap between two thoughts can be there in you right now, and you're not thinking. For three seconds, four seconds, five seconds. You're not thinking, you are just aware. It's an amazing thing. Just 
aware. And as that awareness, you can look around the room, take everything in, but don't call it anything. You just see everything, and yet you're just the awareness. You're not the person. You're the awareness. That's an amazing shift in consciousness. Wow. And there's no time there. This is why we could call it the timeless state of consciousness. And so you are, and that becomes your true identity. Then you can still operate as a person and deal with your life situation, but you're no longer lost in it. And it doesn't make you unhappy anymore. The challenges of life are not transformed into unhappiness anymore. And then whatever challenges happen in your life, they will help you to awaken more to who you are in your essence. You become more present. And this shift happens, and it's a little bit, the, the analogy I use a lot is, if you are a, a wave or a ripple on the surface of the ocean, there's a little ripple, and this ripple is me. Oh. And you're surrounded by other ripples and waves on the surface of the ocean. This is other people. And then you compare yourself to others, and the whole story starts. And the ripple never realized that it is only a surface manifestation of a vast ocean. The ripple existed only on this surface level of reality. It only knew other ripples and ripple existence. And it looked for fulfillment through other stuff on the surface, other ripples. I'm going to marry this ripple, and we are going to be she or he is going to make me happy. And we two together can be a bigger ripple, and so on. And always looking for, and always disappointed by the ripple existence. Every person that you think, oh, every person in one way or another will let you down. It's just a, it's just a limited person. Every person lets you down sooner or later. And if you know that, it doesn't matter anymore, you can love them anyway because you don't expect it fulfillment through this person. You don't expect it perfection. And suddenly the ripple becomes aware that there's more to who I am than this. But it becomes aware because for a moment the ripple withdraws attention from the surface ex ripple existence, which is sense perception of thinking, 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 and stops thinking. And suddenly by stopping thinking, becomes aware of, oh, there's a huge depth to me which transcends who I am as a ripple. There's something much vaster that's not separate from me and yet is much vaster than me. It's a little paradox. And suddenly there's a great sense of rootedness in something vast that sustains you. And this, this is the rootedness in being. And that's the thing that we lost thousands of years ago when we started to think 
and become identified with thinking and started to look for ourselves in thinking. So we've come a long way from that time when we were rooted in being, and then going into thought, a whole phase in the evolution of consciousness. We've come to the end of this phase where we became identified completely with thinking. And now we rise above thinking. And so we come full circle. Again, we become rooted in being because we've gone through the thinking stage. And it's not that we don't think anymore, but we are no longer completely lost in thought. We are no longer being used by thinking. We can actually, for the first time, think creatively. When you are connected with a deeper dimension of consciousness, that's where all creativity arises. Any truly creative person must, at least in the moment of their creation, when they create something, get in touch with this deeper level, and for a moment they're not thinking, they're just list, kind of listening. Many co- great composers have often have said, this great melody that came to them, this is so sublimely beautiful, they received it almost ready-made, and then they just wrote it down. So this inspiration happens from the deeper level. Many things happen when you're in touch with the, we could call it, the transcendent dimension. It sounds a little abstract, but it doesn't need to be abstract. It's not abstract. The transcendent dimension, that which transcends all this, but doesn't exclude it, but it's something, something deeper. And you become rooted in that depth, and that's the end of fear. So. Your true identity, your essence identity, is there. So you're no longer looking for ultimate satisfaction in your form identity, but you do your best. And in fact, the way in which you conduct your life, when you no longer live through a fictitious identity in the head, the way you conduct your life, the way you interact with other people becomes much better, improves a lot. The dysfunctional nature of the ego disappears and relationships become more harmonious. Uh, Situations, challenges become resolved more quickly because you you don't fight a challenge. You accept what is and then you do what you can. You don't complain anymore in your head about things. Well, this shouldn't be... Complain about people, complain about this and that. And the ego loves complaining. Well, you know what he said, and then he did that. Oh dear, tomorrow I'm going to talk to him and tell him this. So you exist as form identity, but you are the, the essence that's deeper, far deeper than the form. So the key then is have these little spaces in your life every day when you're not thinking. To many of you, this will happen naturally, but you may not, it's so easy to overlook. For example, whenever you look at something, let's say your head is turning. Oh, now I'm looking at these 
flowers. Now, before my mind calls them orchids, there's a gap of two seconds while I'm looking. And for these two or three seconds, I'm not calling them anything. I'm just aware of the flowers. Then the mind comes in. If you can catch these initial seconds, whenever something new comes into your perceptual field, there's a gap of two or three seconds when you, it could be sound too, a sound arises. You're listening. Before you interpret it, there's a moment of just awareness and the sound. If you can catch all those initial moments, then they become longer. And during this time when you don't label things mentally, there's a depth, you experience them differently. You experience them, they have greater depths. Even looking at a flower, when you don't call it anything, there's another way of knowing this flower and or anything. What the world knows is only conceptual knowledge. At universities and so on and everywhere, knowledge is associated with accumulating concepts, conceptual knowledge. And you can know the flower by learning things about the flower, it's fine. But if you neglect the other way of knowing that is non-conceptual, then your life it becomes very superficial and you become trapped in a, on a conceptual dimension alone. So this is just another aspect of what we've been talking about and experiencing. I can know this flower without concepts too. If I contemplate this and just look at it and do not label it, I'm just aware and I know that I'm aware. I can feel that that which makes the perception possible of this flower is the awareness. I don't, I don't want to call it my awareness because it's not mine. There's only one awareness, one consciousness. Your consciousness and my consciousness are the, just manifestations of the one universal consciousness that has created all this. So I'm looking and suddenly I can sense the essence of this flower too. I can sense the aliveness of this flower. I can sense its beingness. I can truly connect with it and, and sense it. It's a totally different way of knowing the flower. But I, if I'm lost in the conceptual alone, all I know is a surface phenomenon of flower, no matter how much I know. And ultimately in this world, you need both. You need the conceptual to operate in this world, but not lose yourself in the conceptual. So you have the other dimension, which is awareness. But there's a knowing there too, a very deep knowing that is non-conceptual. And do that to a human being. Look at a human being. Now, on the one hand, there's a form identity, and, and you might even it may be somebody you've only just met, or it may be somebody with whom you've shared many years, a family member you've known all their life. Let's say it's somebody you've only just met, it's easier because otherwise there's a lot of past. Family members are difficult. So you're looking at a human being. On the one hand, you, of course, you take in their body. That's often the first thing that you look at. And then you bring in a little bit of their 
personality or whatever they say or how they look, behave and look at you. So that's their form identity, physical and psychological form. You're aware of that. And you might be a great psychologist and immediately figure out what their psychology is and immediately know what they're like. Maybe you have a lot of knowledge. That's fine, but that's not the essence of who they are either. It's still conceptual. In order to, to, to connect with another human being on the level of essence, you have to, for a moment, look at this human being without the interference of thought, just as an aware presence. And then you, you look at into their eyes. And then you can, well, if you know yourself as the aware presence, then you can sense that presence in the other. In other words, you, can, you feel their essence identity beyond the personality. And that's a wonderful way of connecting to the other. And this is really what traditionally the true meaning of love is to recognize the other in their essence and to recognize the other as ultimately one with yourself, because the consciousness that you are is the same consciousness that that person is. It's their essence identity. As consciousness, you are one. As personalities, you are different. The otherness, if you only operate on the level of personality, the other is always other. And not only that, the level of personality on the ego level the ego tries to make the other even more other because the ego likes enemies, it likes to fight, it likes to, because it thinks it's stronger when it has enemies. It, it defines its identity through the other. That's crazy. So the, all those things that, that have been traditionally spoken of as things that make life worth living and are part of a deeper human being is love, not in the romantic sense, but a deeper thing. The Lord is love, then it is the recognition, ultimately, of the other as yourself, in essence. Jesus once said once, love thy neighbor as yourself. And I believe that as an isolated statement, it doesn't work, because if you if you tell somebody you must love your neighbor as yourself, you say, okay, I'll try. I'm trying really hard, but I just, I just can't. Sorry, I can't. I, I, I mustn't be a good Christian. I can't. I, this is, but what they forgot is, Jesus said first, find the kingdom of heaven, and then you love your neighbor as yourself. Those two belong together. But what is the kingdom of heaven? What is a kingdom? That's an old word. Nowadays, there are not that many kingdoms anymore. The modern translation, my translation, is dimension. Kingdom is the dimension. And what is heaven? Sky. Spaciousness. Spaciousness. Inner spaciousness is when between two thoughts, there's a space of aware presence. It's the inner spaciousness. Jesus used this because in the sense-perceived world, the closest you can get to 
to just give people a sense of what he's talking about, the best word he could find was to talk about the sky or the heavens because it's just space. But that he's talking about inner space. So the dimension of spaciousness and the inner space is beyond thought, in between thought. It's the aware space of awareness. Find that dimension of spaciousness in you and then you will recognize and love the other as yourself. Now it works. So that has to come first. And so for the rest of your life, you, of course, everybody has a different, as a personality, you have different things to do in your life and different things to deal with. Everybody's life situation is different. But at a deeper level, there are two purposes. One is the purposes you have as a person, but there's a more important purpose, and that is the purpose of consciousness, so that consciousness can awaken more fully in and through you, which means you awaken to your true identity. And when you awaken to your true identity, it's not just you, because you are not a separate particle in the universe. You are the universe. You are an aspect of the universe. When you awaken, the universe participates in the awakening. The universe awakens through you to itself. It's a vast, it's a vast thing. So the person is a little bit like a seed for the awakening of consciousness. And then gradually, uh, as you grow older or even before then, the person still operates, but is no longer all that important. You still deal with it, but, but something becomes more important than the person. And all the things that before that the person thought, oh, this is so important, all the stuff, the gossip, and all the stuff, that the, per the drama that the person loves to talk about and think about, and all that becomes a little boring. A lot of the stuff that happens on the person level is, okay, it's, and you don't want to watch soap operas anymore on television because it's all boring. And you might even find that your friends' stories become boring if they're not awakening. And so there's something that emerges where the person was before, something emerges thinking, was before awareness emerges. So there's less thinking and more awareness. Less thinking, more awareness. Especially all the dysfunctional, useless thinking, such as worry, begins to disappear. And the thinking that remains is no longer thinking that makes you unhappy, it's thinking that is actually useful, that can be, create something new. Thinking can create form. It's a very powerful thing. So thinking becomes then helpful. Then for the first time you can, thinking is in the service, not of the ego, self-serving, but thinking is in the service of something deeper or higher. You become a creator. The consciousness, the unconditioned consciousness creates can flow into your mind and create, create, use you as an instrument, and you create whatever you do. We don't know how, what you do, 
but something, this power flows into what you do and it emanates through you and even if you don't do anything in particular, it even changes people who come into contact with you because you then represent a deeper dimension of the universe, higher, deeper, whatever you want to call it. Your purpose in life is to cooperate with where the universe is going and the universe is in the process of awakening. And the consciousness that you are, the universal consciousness, is, I call it, the light of God. You might remember Jesus said to his disciples or to others, you are the light of the world. He also said it about himself. He said, I am the light of the world. And then he said to others, you are the light of the world does not mean you are VIPs or very special, because they were not. It can only mean one thing. You are the consciousness of the world. You are the consciousness. And that light emanates from the source of all life, which is a transcendent. It has no location in space or time. The unspeakable source of all life. Something emanates from there into this dimension in the same way that light emanates from the sun. There's a reason why ancient civilizations regarded the sun as divine, but it's not the sun. I only use it as an analogy. The sun continuously gives of itself. It gives life. It continuously, almost infinite. It, yes, it has a lifespan, but compared to us, it's virtually infinite continuously outpouring. And so if we use this analogy, the consciousness that you are is the emanation from the one source of all life that's transcendent, which means God. So the, li the light of God is the light of consciousness in you and all beings in different degrees and different vibrational frequencies. Then when you recognize yourself as consciousness, then you recognize the true nature of who you ultimately are. But it doesn't mean that you will suddenly go out in the street and shout, I am God. I would not advise you to do that. And it's not 100% correct. In the same way, if a ray of sunlight says, I am the sun, it's true and not true. Yes, it's, it's connected to the sun, but of course the sun is infinitely vaster, so it's true and not true. You, you are the light of the world, which is the consciousness. So that, that is the transcendent dimension where you as a person become relatively unimportant, although you can still deal with things better than before, but you're no longer consumed by this. And you're no longer at the mercy of your thoughts. So that's a wonderful liberation. It's when uh, you're no longer lost in your mind. And that's the awakening. So your, dis your destiny is something fabulous and far transcends who you are as a person. As I said before, the person is a kind of, is a seed 
for the new consciousness. And if the person had not encountered all his challenges in life, all the difficulties, those are the things that make the seed sprout. So you have to be grateful because I know I would not be here if it hadn't been for all the obstacles that I encountered in my life, all the difficult stuff that brought about an awakening. And most of you are here because you, have, you went through a sufficient amount of suffering to bring you to this point of awakening. So you've done it. You don't need to suffer much more now. Challenge, yes. But challenges, you don't need to be transformed into suffering. So this, you come to the, as to use the words of the Buddha, the end of suffering, psychological suffering, which is most of suffering. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So all these people like Buddha and Jesus, they were the early flowers of human consciousness. And now it's happened on a, on a wider scale. Not if you look at politics, because politicians will probably be the last people to awaken, but <laughs> that's okay. They'll come too. Well, thank you for being here, and uh, I wish you blessings and in hope you enjoy the adventure of human existence and, and the awakening of consciousness through you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. I love my cat, Tiger. And as my best friend, we speak our own language. What's that? You love your litter. He does, because I use Fresh Step Outstretch Litter. It absorbs 50% more waste and odor and requires less changing compared to Fresh Step Multicat. Less changing means more time playing. <laughs> right, Tiger? That's a yes. Find Fresh Step Outstretch Cat Litter in the pet aisle. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates.